More Good News Season 2 is all about people doing good through following their passions, good for their own souls and for others. I'm Kate Cherichello, and welcome to today's episode. Let's spread a little more goodness in the world. So today's guest is Terry Magro of the Michael Magro Foundation, and I am so honored that she agreed to chat with me today, especially because this is such a personal cause and organization for her. I'll let Terry fill us in on most of the details, but before we start, I just wanted to read this one quote from an article on the foundation's website from Dr. Weinblatt from NYU Winthrop, which we will hear more about. He states, The Magro family has been unbelievable. They have been able to turn something so sad into something very positive for so many other people. They are extraordinary people. And with that, Terry, thank you for being here. Uh, Kate, thank you so much. Dr. Weinblatt is truly a, a very, very special man. He is the director of pediatric oncology at uh, NYU Winthrop Langone, Long Island. We have a very long name now. It was Winthrop at the time that uh, I started with him, but he's still there and he's fantastic. So what, you know, what brings us, you know, here today to talk a little bit about is the Michael Magro Foundation. And the mission of that foundation basically is to help families of children diagnosed with cancer. And the entire uh, premise for how the the organization started was in 2004, both of my boys, Mark at age 11 and Michael at age 13, within two months of each other, were diagnosed with cancer. And these were two relatively healthy boys that never went to the doctor except for camp physicals and school physicals, et cetera. So it was quite the shock when this all when this all happened. Um, Mark was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. He is my cancer survivor. He's 28 years old now, working, living in Manhattan, doing very very well, thank God. Michael, unfortunately, was 13 and a half. Uh, he was diagnosed on June 8th of 2004. Mark was diagnosed on um, March 17th of 2004. Um, Michael was in a category that they um, dubbed as a very high risk group because of his age, the type of cell that he had, he ended up with leukemia, and it was an aggressive cell. And at age 13, um, your hormones are, you know, going at a rapid rate. And so these cells are multiplying as quickly the good cells and the bad cells. So his prognosis from the minute Dr. Weinblatt told me that he was diagnosed with leukemia was not the best of of outcomes in his opinion, but we forged forward and he had very optimistic attitude about it. We had gone to a few other hospitals for consults. Those uh, other physicians weren't as optimistic. And unfortunately, uh, Michael passed away on July uh, 30th of 2004, so just a short time after his uh, diagnosis. But myself, I'm a nurse, and so I've worked in the clinical setting for you know many many years, not in pediatrics per se, but I you know was now walking the walk with all of these families and seeing the devastation that a diagnosis such as as cancer can bring to a family. And as many families that I had taken care of as a nurse on the other side, you never realize the financial devastation that this diagnosis brings. And on top of that, it brings such a devastation to the whole family unit because the unit is kind of broken apart 
when everyone is trying to focus on the, the child that's ill and everyone else kind of moves to the sidelines a little bit. And so there's a lot of psychosocial things going on at the same time. And, you know, clinically, I kind of focused on some of that as I was going through the journey at the same time. But we decided that um, we wanted to help these families because we were we weren't as devastated financially as some of the, those other families were. The type of position I had, I was able to maintain. My husband was able to maintain his, and he had the health insurance benefits. So oftentimes, one parent, if, if they're fortunate enough to be a two-parent family, have to take a leave of absence, and then your, you know, your uh, bills go up and your salary goes down. So it's kind of crazy. But for whatever it's worth, um, we, you know, we managed, but I saw how difficult it was and how frustrating and anxiety producing when your, you know, your electric bills are falling behind and your gas bills and your, your Verizon cell phone, but no matter what it was, because health insurance pays for what it pays for, but there's always out of pocket and co-pays and things of that nature. And those things add up. And some of the medications that are not necessarily covered by a health plan, that's all out of pocket. So you can really end up in, in a tough situation. So we approached the hospital um, after Michael's passing, told them that we wanted to do this uh, foundation. They were extremely grateful, but we told them we weren't about brick and mortar. We were more about the families. So Paul and I manage the finances. We work with social workers. They identify the families in need. They send us the bills that need to be paid and we pay them and try and just, as I say, just make them smile for the moment or take a deep breath and say, oh my God, let me just, you know, relax because I don't have to worry about my electric getting shut down or something to that effect, which happens, unfortunately. So that's it in a, in a quick nutshell. <laughs> Wow. Wow. That's, it's amazing what you, what you have done with the foundation and you've covered my first two questions, which <laughs> are just about you and then your organization. Uh, thank you for putting that so beautifully and the amount of families I'm sure you're serving and helping are unbelievable. Do you have, do you have a number? Um, we, we actually, um, are servicing a couple of hundred families, probably three or 400 families a year. It's wow. really increased and um, our footprint has increased as well. So now we're getting calls and uh, social workers and uh, case managers from different pediatric oncology practices that speak to one another are recommending us to other ones across the United States. So our, our footprint is as far west as Oregon right now um, with the primary hospitals being local. Uh, yeah. We're at NYU Hassenfeld in the city, New York Presbyterian, and then Cohen's and Mineola campus of NYU and Stony Brook. But uh, we've really reached um, a tremendous plateau and, and are very fortunate to be able to help all of these people. We're an all volunteer board. So it's really very interesting how there are no over, our overhead is very low. We're not paying rent, we're not paying salaries. So it's about 94 cents on the dollar that goes right back into the foundation. So, you know, we're, we're able to help people um, each year. We're able to pay more and more bills and help them more than once. It's not a one and done type of thing. If the social worker comes back and says this family needs additional assistance, cancer treatment can go on for years. Um, wow. And now during COVID in this last year, 
how has your world looked different either personally or with the foundation? And is there anything that you hope to maintain anything that you've found that's been a good change and what can you not wait to get back to? (laughs) I can't wait to get back to the fundraising and the in-person events, but yes, you know, COVID everybody had to pivot no matter what business, whether it was for-profit or non-profit. So, you know, we've all pivoted in, in some way or another. But we um, we started working with some local restaurants um, and were able to provide meals for families at a very reduced um, rate. And we underwrote all of that. So we would go to the cancer center, for instance, and a restaurant local in Mineola and um, and ask them if we can work work with them. They actually it was Piccolo Busola on Jericho Turnpike in Mineola. They actually designed menus and they added every week, you know, four or five, six, seven choices. And it was a full meal, Kate. It was a protein, a vegetable, a starch, and they delivered it right to the cancer center. The social worker came outside and picked it up. Sometimes I met them and helped them. And whoever, you know, whatever the social worker called in, that's what Piccolo Busola would make. So if you were a family of five and you had six choices, you would pick what you wanted and then you would go home at the end of treatment for that child with six meals that all you really needed to do was heat them up because they were all prepared that day. So we started, you know, that was something we had never done before. And then people started to donate and were extremely generous to help us try and bring lunches to the staff as well, because as you know, they were working crazy hours. So that was, that was a big thing. We worked with restaurants to help um, supply lunches for the staff as well. And we did that with a couple of different grants and donations. Um, And a friend of mine, Angela uh, Lamia, who is a pampered chef person, we Mm -hmm. put together these bags that we called uh, just blessing bags. And the blessing bags were for the clinical staff. And they were filled with snacks and creams and lotions and, um, you know, some PPE and water bottles and just things to make them feel comfortable for the moment. Toothpaste, uh, things that you wouldn't think about, but they had so much difficulty trying to even, you know, go to the bathroom, let alone, you know, try and have a snack or a lunch or something. So sometimes they, you know, when they took all that, you know, PPE off of them when they, when they got back into their regular uniform, that's when they had a moment to be able to sit down and have a bottle of water. I mean, it was amazing. We had people that made headbands and they put buttons on them so that the masks could attach to the buttons of the headband and not behind their ears because the skin was really taking such, Mm -hmm. um, such a toll. And these were, you know, my colleagues that I was working with, and I was still at the hospital at that time. So I saw it and it was unbelievable. My um, very good friend from Verizon in uh, Mineola donated um, dozens of phone chargers, and we bought 10 new iPads for the hospital, because the only way that people could communicate was through this face-to-face and they may have come in with the cell phone, but they may not have had their charger with them. And you, and it wasn't like days prior to COVID where you can just unplug that charger and bring it to the next family in the next patient room. Once it got into that room, that was that person's so that there wasn't enough supplies of things like that. 
And, uh, you know, I was very grateful for having such connections with the staff that every day we were talking about what would make it easy for you tomorrow. And that's those are how, you know, all of these ideas came around. And that's that's how we started. You know, so we've done um, we still, you know, if they need things, we still, you know, will buy iPads and things. But those iPads really came in handy. Those, you know, was was the face to face that and the only contact a lot of these um, patients, uh, you know, on their dying days were able to see or talk to, or at least hear if they were ventilated dependent to hear a loved one say something and you know, they were able to hear them. We're, we're confident of that. Yes. Uh, can you imagine if every hospital or every department had a you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just what do you need today and what can we make happen? That Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, that's, I think the nurse in me too. It's like, okay, so we got through this crisis, but now, you know, we know what's pending and we know what's in front of us. So, you know, we don't want to take a step backward. We only want to go forward. So what can we do to make tomorrow a little easier? That's really all you can do in these situations. Yeah. Well, you've already given me some great examples of the goodness that you've done. And I would love to expand on some of these stories. Is there any other story one two or ten of them that you have of goodness that has come from what you have done either in your own family or through other families you've helped well you know one one thing that's really nice is as the years have gone on and so we're in our 16th year of of the foundation as the years have gone on people are reaching out to us and saying you know back in 2009 you helped us and our family (laughs) when we were in need and now we want to pay it forward and help you. So it's so nice to see those families stepping up. And uh, recently I've just been working with a group called Ticket Time USA and they're based in Suffolk County. And the, the father reached out to me and said, you know, I'm, I've retired from my full-time position. He was um, a police officer. And now I started a company that's like a, a ticket, ticket time. And so you can buy tickets to events and things. And so events are starting to come back. And, he's, and he is now donating a portion, which is his commission of tickets that are sold. And it's a nationwide organization um, back to the foundation because he feels this is a great way that he can help us and then be able to pay it forward when we're able to help other families. So it's, it's really great. He's donating back 30% of the uh, ticket prices to us if, if people go to Ticket Time USA and uh, just mention Magro 33. 33 is our number. 33 was Michael's lacrosse number. So every, everything is is 33, which is which is really good. Um, you know, there's a million stories, Kate, I'm trying to think. Uh, we do a lot of gift card donations oh, yes. um, every month. And those, you know, are, are just, they come in handy for everything. We've, you know, we had a little, little uh, toddler come with his mom to pick up a gift card from the nurse. And uh, she, you know, the mom had called and said, did that foundation deliver any more, you know, gift cards to stop and shop? I I have nothing in the house for food. And her infant was the one that was um, being seen by the pediatric department. And then she had a toddler. And so she said, yes, actually, I, I do. I have some. So mom and the toddler came. And uh, when they picked it up, the little kid said, oh, my God, can we now go buy orange juice? And the mom was like, yeah, we can buy orange. So can you imagine? You know, it's things like that, that um, 
make what we do really worthwhile because we really see how much people, uh, how much the needs are. You just don't realize it. And honestly, we don't do financial checks on people. So you could be making, you know, 20,000, 50,000, 250,000. It's not my, I really don't care what you make. Everybody's got a level playing field when a child is, has a chronic illness, whether it's, you know, a pediatric cancer or another chronic illness. And we're, we've expanded to help families that have other chronic illnesses as well, because their financial devastation is just as great. Yeah. And the gift cards, anybody can donate a gift card, yes. right? Yes. Step. Gift cards, you know, we're always, we're always looking for, um, whether it's a visa card or a, um, Uber card, you know, generic is a little easier because we donate them to people all over. But locally in in the New York area, it's uh, mostly like the gas cards to BP or Shell or places where people anywhere that they live, they can access. Stop and Shop is a big one. Target, Walmart, uh, those kinds of of places, um, you know, are great. But gift cards really do come in handy. Uh, We, you know, sometimes I'll donate them as like a small wish to somebody coming off a cancer treatment and um, we'll give them, you know, a thousand dollar visa card or something. So the child can do something that they want. It's all, it's all about them at that point. Yeah. Nice. nice. I love the local, the local aspect, the community aspect of all of this as well, you know, in addition to the now nationwide reach. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. We, uh, we're, we're very invested in, uh, you know, in, keeping our donors informed, making them feel comfortable about what's being done. Um, it's, it's great. You know, again, every, anything is appreciated, you know, whether it's a $10 Dunkin' Donuts card or, you know, a $50 Visa card, it doesn't, it really, it's all goes to the end users and that's what it's all about. Powerful. So I have one more question for you, Terry. Yeah. It- there anything that you find yourself saying over and over again maybe your mantra or advice to your donors or to the families anything that you find yourself repeating that you would love to um say here today <laughs> um you know I, I know to my to my donors and people I, i'm always saying you know nothing no donation is too small. Um, we're, we're extremely grateful for anything and everything that people can do. Um, and, you know, the, the donors, I want them to feel involved. We do newsletters. We're very active on social media. We truly encourage people to keep up with what is being done by the foundation so that they understand where their dollar and dollars are going. And um, and I always say to people, if it's not the Michael Magro Foundation, then pick another foundation that is really near and dear to your heart because those people need the you know, the help as well, whether it's, you know, maybe a family member was affected by a cardiac disease or diabetes, or no matter what, just research who you're donating to and, and stay involved, try, you know, try and keep, um, keep involved to figure out what is going on and how they're progressing so that you feel comfortable. You have to feel comfortable because if you feel comfortable donating, then those donations are going to increase as time goes on. And that's, um, and be an ambassador. I'm always asking people to read a little bit about us and be an ambassador for the foundation because that's how the word spreads. 
Yes, yes. I think that's such a great point too about, you know, research it first, right? Yes. And so as you said, you are, from what I've researched about the foundation, you are so transparent on your website and on your media and the 94 out of 100, um, 94% of all everything that's going to great. That is a huge amount in nonprofits. That is yes. an amazing percentage. So again, mm. it really shows that how much you really are about getting all the funds to the people who need it. That's spectacular. Thank you. Wow. Thanks. Terry, thank you so much for what you're doing for so many families. And I will put all the links um, in the captions here. And is there an event you want to maybe mention that's coming up that people can donate oh, to or some register fun, for? Some fun events. So uh, we have a golf outing on June 10th, which is at Cold Spring Country Club. Um, Ryan Dempsey from East End um, Companies is our uh, sponsor, our event sponsor and our honoree. Uh, Ryan is 28 years old himself. He's a friend of Mark's. So he has gone through the entire course uh, with Mark when he was in treatment and afterwards. And now he is in a position to be able to help. And that's that's really what it's all about. So I feel it's a testimonial to us and to my son, Mark, as well. And then we have a summer event on July 21st at the Crescent Beach Club, which is going to be an outdoor um, uh, just networking, beach kind of fun. And the Liverpool Shuffle Band is going to be playing. So those are those are two. And then we have a car show, which I think is going to be August 9th. The details aren't all firmed up okay. yet, but that's in Hicksville if that happens. <laughs> so excellent, thank you. Excellent. It's all on the website. On the website. Wonderful. Terry, thank you again. Oh, Kate, thanks so much. It was really a pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity to tell people about us. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Follow me, Kate Cherichello, at positively underscore Kate on Instagram for more. If you have good news that needs to be shared, please send me a message.